Chapter Eight of William Again by Rick Mall Crompton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: The Native Protege. The person who was ultimately to blame was the secretary of the Dramatic Society of the school of which William was a humble member. The Dramatic Society had given an historical play in which Christopher Columbus was depicted among the aborigines of America william was too unimportant a member of the institution which served him out his daily ration of education to figure on the stage but he was a delighted spectator in the back row christopher columbus interested him not at all christopher columbus was white and except for his rather curious and violently anachronistic costume looked exactly as the postman or william's own father might look but the aborigines william could not take his eyes from them they were jones minor and pension major and goggles and all that crew of course he knew that yet how different how rapturously different browned from head to foot a lovely walnut brown it made their eyes look queer and their teeth look queer it set them in a world apart it must feel ripping william decided then and there that his life's happiness could never be complete till he had browned himself like that he wondered whether brown boot polish would do it knife polish might something must he went out with the stream of spectators at the end in a golden dream of happiness he saw himself browned from head to foot brandishing some weapon and dancing on bare brown feet in a savage land he was so rapt in his daydream that he collided with a tall, lank, six-form boy who was coming along the passage carrying a box. "'Look out where you're going, can't you?' said that superior individual coldly. "'Do you want me to drop this stuff all over the place?' He pointed with a languid hand to uh, this stuff. This stuff was sticks of brown and red and black grease paint, pots of cold cream, and tins of powder." william's eyes brightened shall i carry it for you he said meekly so's to save you trouble the sixth form boy started william's attitude towards his intellectual superiors generally lacked that respect which is the due of intellectual superiors uh, all right he said handing the box to william and walking on down the passage william walked meekly behind with the box in his arms very neatly as he turned the corner he transferred two sticks of brown grease paint from the tray to his own pocket he sternly informed his conscience never a very active force with william and quite easily subdued as he did so that he'd helped to pay for the beastly things hadn't he anyway by paying or getting his mother to pay two shillings for a rotten seat in the rotten back row where he could only see by squinting round the feather in dawson's mother's hat and anyway he'd like to know whose business it was but his his conscience retired completely crushed at the door of the sixth form room he handed the box to the secretary of the dramatic society the secretary of the dramatic society entered the holy sanctum that young brown's manners he remarked patronizingly to his peers seem to be improving william surveyed the effect in the looking-glass it was perfect he had completely used up the two sticks of brown grease paint upon the exposed parts of his person 
he found the question of clothing rather a difficulty he possessed no garment of the type that the aborigines had worn but his ordinary suit was of course unthinkable football shorts seemed better and a green football shirt that had been robert's they partook in some way of the nature of fancy dress robed in them he surveyed himself again in the glass and a blissful smile stole over his cocoa-hued face he was a perfect aborigine it only remained to go out into the world to seek adventures adventures came readily to william even when attired and coloured simply as a boy he hardly dared to think what might happen to him as an aborigine provided of course that he could get clear of the parental abode otherwise his mahogany career might come to an abrupt and untimely end he looked cautiously out of the window there was no one in sight he lowered himself to earth by means of a tree that grew conveniently near his window william the voice came from the drawing-room william beat a hasty retreat into a clump of laurel and remained motionless i'm sure i heard that boy william he decided to take the bull by the horns uh, yes mother he called obediently what are you doing i'm just sitting in the garden and thinking mother said william in a voice of honeyed wistfulness mrs brown deeply touched sought out her husband you know dear she said there's something awfully sweet about william sometimes william having gained the open field felt a sensation of extreme relief for some time he crawled about in ditches tracking imaginary wild animals and scalping imaginary white men then the occupation began to pall and he began to regret having carried off the coup in solitude a few more aborigines might have been jollier however the brown was staying on all right and that was a comfort he left the fields and went into the woods there he ran and leapt and climbed trees for a blissful half-hour he also shot an entire menagerie of animals and slaughtered innumerable hosts of white men unaided he went along the woods then across three fields by way of the ditches and then down the valley and then close by the side of a garden with which he was not previously acquainted and it looked an interesting garden just the sort of garden for an aborigine intent upon enjoying life to the full he saw a shrubbery an orchard a stream and some very climbable trees he scrambled through a hole in the hedge to the detriment of the green football shirt and shorts then he ran riot in the jungle and along the sides of the raging torrent in a fierce encounter caused by the joint attack of a lion an elephant and a rhinoceros william did things upon a large scale he ran in pursuit not in flight to the further end of the shrubbery there he was surprised to find an open lawn and a large concourse of people the people sat in rows in chairs there was something expectant in their expressions a tall man in black was standing in front of them with a watch in his hand they were obviously waiting for something when they saw william they rose as one man there he is they said before the bewildered william could realize what was happening they surrounded him on all sides and drew him on to the lawn the clergyman held him by the hand oh don't be frightened little boy he said kindly 
i don't suppose he understands english said a tall thin lady in a small sailor hat they don't you know out there a large motherly woman bore down upon him with a glass of milk and a bun william was hungry in moments of uncertainty his rule was to lie low and take the good things provided by the gods without question moreover it was perhaps safer in the circumstances not to understand english at any rate not till he had consumed the bun and milk they led him to a table facing the audience and put the bun and milk before him people in the farther rows of chairs craned their necks to see him he gave them his inscrutable frown in the intervals of drinking and consuming large mouthfuls of bun the man stood up and addressed the gathering in a high-pitched drawling voice i need not inform my friends that we uh, see before us our uh, little uh, protege from borneo and uh, uh, let me say that he uh, does us credit he placed his hand upon william's head and looked down at william with a proud smile meeting william's unflinching unsmiling glare his smile faded and he quickly drew back his hand uh, credit he resumed putting a hand to his collar as he moved a step farther from william to uh, those who may be strangers here this afternoon let me say that we uh, of this uh, parish have uh, for the past two years made ourselves responsible for the uh, rearing and uh, education of a little native of borneo he paused for applause which was set going by the vicar's wife who was the tall thin lady in the small sailor hat the reverend habakkuk jones who is uh, at the native mission school has uh, come uh, over to see us bringing uh, our little native protege again he smiled lovingly and drew near to william william whose mouth was fuller of currant bun than european etiquette would have sanctioned raised his face and without interrupting the process of mastication gave mr theophilus mug such a look as sent him precipitously to the farther end of the table uh, protege said mr theophilus mug uncomfortably the reverend habakkuk jones wrote this uh, morning to say that he would call with uh, the child he looked distrustfully at william and uh, leave him in our loving care while he visited a relative in the uh, vicinity he promised uh, to be with us by half-past three to uh, d deliver his address he uh, evidently dropped his address he uh, evidently dropped a little boy at the gate and uh, will soon be uh, present himself he sat down as far away from william's eye as possible and wiped his brow a crowd with a large preponderance of the feminine element gathered around william as he drained the last drop of milk a fat motherly woman handed him a piece of chocolate gingerly as though he were a strange sort of wild animal i wonder if he'll speak said someone wistfully i expect he'll make some sort of thanks for the bun and milk and chocolates suggested someone else not in english i expect said a third hopefully william rose to the occasion blinky men ongle he said clearly there was a murmur of rapt admiration hindustani i believe said the vicar's wife doubtfully my father was in india several years William soared to further heights. Klimene batal tog, he said.
the darling said the old lady i'm sure he's saying something beautiful she held out a second slab of chocolate i love those eastern languages so musical it's certainly hindustani said the vicar's wife it all comes back to me oh what was he saying he was saying said the vicar's wife uh, thank you for your kindness and food oh how beautiful said the fat lady handing him a third slab of chocolate i was taking this home for my son she explained but i'd much rather give it to our dear little native protege isn't it a beautiful thought that we reared and clothed him all this time i distinctly remember making that little green shirt said the vicar's wife bluffingham said william who was growing bold the angel said the fat lady doesn't it make you feel you'd do anything for him what's his name she said to mr theophilus mug i'd love to call him by his name i uh, i'm not sure of his name said mr theophilus mug with dignity but wasn't it mentioned in the letter it was spelt said mr theophilus mug with increasing dignity needless to say it was not pronounced i have no wish to make myself ridiculous in the boy's eyes the mystery of these dark-skinned races said the vicar's wife the beautiful inscrutable faces of them the knowledge the wisdom they seem to hold certainly it is not an english cast of countenance said mr theophilus mug buncom alice lipis said william feeling that something further was expected of him most certainly hindustani said the vicar's wife it was here that a small voice piped from the back row it's william brown william who was enjoying himself intensely glared fiercely in the direction of the voice hush hush dear said the shocked voice of a parent of course it isn't william brown it's a poor little boy from a distant land over the sea or india's coral strand she murmured vaguely it is william brown persisted the shrill voice he may bear a resemblance to william brown said the parent but william brown is white i suppose and this little boy is black yes said a small half-convinced voice I, I suppose so they approached the table my little girl said the parent pleasantly sees a resemblance in the child to one of her schoolfellows would you like to talk to the little boy the little boy put out his tongue at her a native form of greeting doubtless said the vicar's wife oh it is william brown persisted the little girl shrilly if you say that again dear said the parent i shall have to take you home it isn't kind it may hurt the little boy's feelings he's come a long long way from a place where every prospect pleases and only man is vile and you ought to be kind to him how would you like to go to a strange far-away country and then have people say that you were william brown this seemed unanswerable the small child subsided mr theophilus mug looked anxiously toward the gate well, he doesn't seem to be coming he said shall we uh, adjourn to the drawing-room for tea and uh, hear mr habakkuk jones's address afterwards there was an animated murmur of acquiescence the uh, child of the sun went on mr muggs can stay out and we will uh, send his tea to him william's expression brightened swishy he said thank you translated the vicar's wife to the rest of the audience the small child had wandered round to the wake of william 
he's not black all the way down she shrilled he is she stopped abruptly remembering the maternal threat well anyway he is she ended decidedly of course he must be black all the way down don't be silly said the parent they may not be said an old lady with a kind face of course one imagines they are but after all one sees nothing but the exposed portions at this point william who was very hot raised a hand to his brow to wipe away the perspiration the sun was certainly having some effect upon his complexion a pale patch followed the track of his hand his hand in its downward journey rubbed upon his green shirt a black patch followed its track there was a sudden silence the vicar's wife voiced the general sentiments curious she said surely said the old lady in a trembling voice we haven't been imposed upon impossible said mr mugg pale but firm i have known mr habakkuk jones from childhood he's incapable of deception perhaps said the old lady it's the effect of the sudden change of climate acting upon the pigment of the skin there was a murmur of relief at the suggestion william merely scowled at them he was wondering how soon and on what pretext he could escape to the woods he felt that he had exhausted the powers of entertainment of the present position but he did not wish to miss the tea we will not discuss the matter in the hearing of the child said mr muggs but he doesn't speak english put in the old lady he may understand it said mr muggs with dignity let us uh, discuss the matter over the uh, cup that cheers but not inebriates um rather bewildered and looking back suspiciously at the inscrutable william the company moved indoors the old lady soon appeared with a heavily laden tray which she placed in front of william she seemed about to make some kind of remark but meeting william's implacable frown retired hastily he's certainly beginning to look very annoyed she announced excitedly in the drawing-room it is began the small shrill voice then stopped abruptly it was just as William was consuming the last of a large plate of cakes that he noticed a couple of figures coming towards the house. One was a clergyman. The other was a boy about William's age, rather more swarthy than the average boy, and clad in an ordinary grey flannel suit. Nobody knew exactly what happened then. Certainly on that occasion William was not the aggressor. The newcomer may have disliked the look of William with his now streaky face and curious costume. He may have been hungry and found the sight of William devouring the last cake unbearable. He may simply have been feeling the heat. The fact remains that he hurled himself upon William with the agility of a wild cat, and William, in sheer panic, rushed through the open French window into the drawing-room, followed by his antagonist the two of them charged through the crowded room they left in their wake mr theophilus mugg sitting upon a dish of cakes upon the floor the vicar's wife soaked in hot tea the old lady mixed up with the fragments of a venetian vase and the parent of the child beneath the grand piano once outside the front door william doubled threw off his pursuer and made for the woods he had made up his mind to go home and take the stuff off it was coming off anyway it was possible that he might be home for tea it was possible he was rather doubtful about this but determined to be optimistic that his father might not come to hear of the affair 
Anyway, it had been fun. It had been fun in the woods, and those old loonies had been fun, and the cakes had been scrummy. In the garden, peace was restored. The audience sat once more in orderly rows. At the table sat Mr. Theophilus Mugg, the Reverend Habakkuk Jones, and the native protégé, now cool and peaceful and replete with cakes and milk. A name was being whispered from mouth to mouth among the audience. The Reverend Habakkuk Jones rose to his feet. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' he began. From the back row rose a shrill, excited voice. "'I said it was William Brown!' End of chapter 8